Welcome to Local SEO Today. On this podcast, John Fong interviews business professionals and entrepreneurs in many fields to uncover challenges and successes in business ownership. Our goal is to provide you with insights into the entrepreneurship journey and give you tips and advice from real experience. Brought to you by Local SEO Search based in Toronto, Canada. Thank you for listening to Local SEO today. Please subscribe and share this episode. My guest today is founder and CEO of Red Clover Advisors, Jody Daniels. She's a certified informational privacy professional who helps businesses create privacy programs and build transparency and trust. Thanks for being on our show today, Jody. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to, yeah, I'm excited to learn a little bit about you, your journey, and how you got started. So maybe just uh, share with the audience members a little bit about yourself and what do people know you by today? Sure. So what people know me by today is a privacy consultant, but that's really not how, what I started. I went to school uh, for, or to college for business and kind of by default, I landed in accounting um, started at Deloitte, fabulous firm as a financial statement auditor. So what's kind of interesting is what I do today is very much around process and personal data. And I started my career helping companies understand process, but for financial and accounting purposes. So there is actually some interesting connection points. Not that I would have ever made a path and figured out that's where I was going to end up, but I started in accounting and then I did some finance and strategy work at the Home Depot. And then the next stop was Cox Enterprises, which actually had been one of my clients when I was in the audit business. And I did strategy work and online advertising. And then I went into privacy, built a privacy program for them. And the last corporate stop was at Bank of America, where I was the digital privacy expert and did a variety of really interesting things. Uh, and then I opened my own company. That's amazing. I, I love hearing that because I studied business finance. Uh, my wife is an accountant as well. And we think different than business owners um, because we're very analytical, right? We look at numbers and we are looking at statements, profit loss, general ledgers. Um, so how did you transition away from finance to then doing what you do today? Like, yeah. So every, I actually have done some career panels. And when I actually was answering these questions, it dawned on me, oh, this is interesting how many hops and changes I've actually made. Because as you went through it, it was always one to the next. It was never, oh, here's my perfect path. And this is how I'm going to get here, which is actually interesting because I'm a really linear thinker at the same time. And I like to see the connections, but it was really each hop and adjustment from one to the next. So the uh, ability to go from audit to finance was really, I was looking to be out of audit and it, I knew what I didn't want to do. Yeah. And it was a lot harder for me to find what I did want to do. So we took something that seemed kind of interesting and it was a brand new opportunity for anyone listening uh, or who remembers sort of the Enron debacle. Yeah. It ended in Sarbanes-Oxley. And so I was responsible for the implementation of that regulation at Home Depot and it was brand new. So I was creating something new, kind of had this entrepreneur spirit. I did that for a period of time and was ready to do something else. While I did that, I went back to school and got my executive MBA. So it was a full-time MBA while full-time working. That's really the only difference of an exec. It's the same MBA as everybody else, but we just also work along the way. So when I had that, now I was able to switch into strategy mm. because I had that and I, I, a lot of effort, but now I could switch careers. And I did that now for a while, did it across two different companies and was kind of ready for the next thing. And I followed one of the projects that I had worked on, which was in online advertising. We were building essentially a targeted ad network. Today, you go to Facebook, poof, magically what you were just searching for appears. It's a targeted ad. Well, I did that for cars, not on Facebook because that didn't exist when I was doing this. And we did it through building a network. And I just followed one of the projects that I was on. And then the last hop was 
in doing all of that stocking for cars, the online advertising industry banded together and realized, you know what, we need to prevent government legislation and we really should regulate ourselves. Because that was regulating the work I was doing, I was responsible for that implementation. It again was time for, and and I was interested in doing something else. And I then took on the privacy work full time. And that is the full transition of how I got from accounting to privacy. But if you look at each hop along the way, there was a method to the madness and it was a very strategic move from one to the next. That's amazing. So I'm going to jump back into this ad network because I actually dabbled into affiliate online marketing performance-based before Facebook social media came out. We were really focused on like ad network, CPM, CPA, CPS, you know, following retargeting ads, contextuals, behavioral journey stuff. Um, and I think you get it because you deployed it, right? right. Use a behavior journey. And I think a lot of audience members who are SEOers, we get it because this is all we do all day long. Right. Uh, but can you explain what you had to, you know, develop on that end of the spectrum? What was the learning curve like? And did you have a team involved to really understand, you know, through Bank of America or any of the larger companies that you were working on um, to, to implement this? Yeah, it's a foreign concept if you're not in it. And I remember even when I first learned, I, I was, huh, what on earth is this thing? So what had happened is Cox Enterprises acquired a company at the time called Adify. They okay. were a platform that allowed a company like Cox, like a publisher, to then aggregate all of the different sites to form our own ad network. And some people did it. Martha Stewart did it on sites that would make sense for her audience. For us, and they might have all been very similar types of sites. For us, we were looking for any place that made sense for me to deliver a car ad, which can be a lot of sites. It would, and, and other people might have built sports sites. There were hundreds of ad networks that then got put together. And the way someone had explained it to me, I think, was really helpful. Imagine you're watching a a, a, a show on TV, right? A cable news channel. The ads that you're seeing. Procter & Gamble didn't go to each individual TV station across the country to place their ad. They worked with someone who aggregated all of that inventory for them. And it was the same idea here where we were aggregating all that inventory. And when we would go to someone, we would explain it that way. And that analogy, and that really helped. That was kind of the first place is finding an analogy that made some sense. But then the next was the value. And it was, well, for whatever product you're you're using, you're on the site for a period of time, then you leave. And you might not have bought the item because you, well, you maybe you didn't like it. Maybe you're not sure. Maybe you're researching. And there's a long list of factors. The idea is you're trying to follow the person, not to be creepy and stocky. Some companies do that. Don't do that if you're listening. But rather to have the conversation and to remind them, hey, there's this thing over here. You still might be interested in it. And, you know, no different than when you get the tar the Home Depot and the Lowe's flyer at the same time when people used to get flyers and newspapers, it was the same thing, right? They're right next to each other. And here it's the same idea, but I'm trying to continue that conversation and send that messaging wherever you are. We did have a team together. I, I worked with the sales team and this was one more product that the sales team would sell. And then we were the fulfillment team, but also the education team because the sales folks were, huh, what are we doing? And why is my customer going to understand why I should buy this? We really had to educate on what it was and no different than any other product. What's the value and why do they want to participate? Well, Mr. Customer or Ms. Customer, here's what you're going to get and here's why. And we would just go through kind of the basic ABCs of any kind of almost product marketing, even though it was a service and explain to the people involved, create the right collateral, and then deliver on what we were actually selling. Yeah, I love that because uh, it's great for you to explain it coming from someone that has lived it, deployed it, understands strategically put together a team that then sells it and inform people and educate your sales team, right? Because when I first started, I was probably 24, 25 at the time working for fairly large performance-based ad network. Um, and I was a biz dev manager and I didn't get it at that time because I was 24, 25. And no one really taught me 
explained it to me the way that someone that has lived it understands it, right? So I, I, maybe if I did, I probably would have lived it a little bit longer. Like I only stayed there for less than a year. But for me, I didn't enjoy it because I, I was like, why are these big companies really, you know, work using our ad network, you know, and, and yes, they're trying to monetize and really capture a new audience and whatever. But it's more about like, if I was informed and educated better, I probably would have excelled and enjoyed it. But, you know, it's great that you're explaining it um, to the layman person, right? Which is important because a lot of people don't know what we're talking about. It's true. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> so how was the transition from um, doing that to then what you're doing today and starting your own age, uh, company? Well, it's very different. You have, I've always worked for big companies for massive, huge conglomerates. And, and now I'm, I'm just me <laughs> and, and, you know, a small team around me, the idea of almost everything, just as a business owner, you know, you want to go and create, there's not a marketing team to go magically do that. I have to go find them. So it's certainly been a process to find the right people to help me along the way. And I am a big believer in find, in staying in the zone that you know well and finding other people who are, are experts in that area. Some people are, no, I want to learn it all myself and I want to do it all myself. And, and I like to understand. I like to, to know. I don't want to know enough to actually execute it. I want the people who that's what they do all day long to go and do it because I think my time is better spent in what it is that I know. At the same time, I love being on my own. It's a, it's a great um, you know, opportunity. I, I thrive. I enjoy it. I, I love kind of the, the challenge. You know, someone talked to me last week and they said, so when you leave corporate to go on your own, what they don't tell you is that you know, the quote unquote 40 hour week that you might have done working for someone else, whether that's real or not. But the, the idea that there's this 40 hour week and then you leave to go work like double, <laughs> it, they don't tell you that part. And it's, it is true. I, I feel like I work all the time and that is a bit on me because I don't turn it off as well. I always see the opportunity and I want to keep pushing and I'm doing that for myself. And if I've worked for wonderful people and wonderful companies. There's nothing like doing it for yourself and, and the push and the energy. And I thrive on that. And I do think it takes a certain type of person to have that inner energy to, to want to just keep going and, and send that email at 1130 at night, because I worked hard for it and, it and it's all for me. And it's not sure. Certainly there's a paycheck. And if you think about other people, you know, they might work hard and then they get the extra commission, but that's a very different feeling than knowing it's literally all your work and you reap however much you put in is what you're going to get back. Yeah. So how did you shift that mindset from corporate to starting on your own to then, did you have a lot of sales experience, like going out there and pitching your product and service and getting out there to get clients and, you know, adding value for someone to then want to use you? Right. So the only true sales experience would personally would have to take me back to high school when I worked at the Gap. And <laughs> I actually loved retail. Yes, I still fold my clothes like they do at the Gap. Um, and I have no folding board. <laughs> but, um, I, I actually loved it. And people have always said, I remember when I started in accounting, they said, you're totally in the wrong career. You, This is not who you are. And but I didn't, I wasn't a sales role. The, the next closest would be sort of the ad network piece because I would go with sales teams sometimes to be that subject matter expert to explain, here's what it is that we're selling. But short of that, no, I, I didn't have anything. Now, at the same time, I, m both my parents have been in sales. Uh, my dad's the person who can sell ice to an Eskimo. And you know, I, I've just been around sales kind of all my life and I've learned, I guess, you know, vicariously through them. It's certainly been a learning curve and I'm continuing to learn all the time when I'm talking to people who've been doing this for quite a long time and I hear what they do. I, oh, I, I didn't do that. I, I really should, should try that. And in a, a number of ways I do. And actually, you know what? I just dawned on me, didn't do it yesterday. Whole little trick. I realized, shoot. I had a sales call yesterday and I didn't do it. Um, 
So it's, it's been a huge learning curve from corporate to my own. I think the biggest piece is just the reality that if you have to get it done, it's on you or you have to go find the other person to do it. There's, there's not just like a team magically there (laughs) waiting for it. There isn't a marketing team. You have to go create and find the marketing team. And then that's really hard when you're just starting. You're also trying to figure the hardest part is trying to deliver the work and get the work and do all of those pieces. And it just takes time to be able to grow and scale. And, and for me, I was very particular. I wanted a certain brand. And, and so I've done it probably a little bit slower than I know I would like. Uh, maybe others have because I, I really want that personal image and that brand. It's all reflective of me. And, um, but it's been a great experience. And I, I love the thrill of growing something that is shaped um, by what I'm doing. And it's also super terrifying because everything, it's all on me. There aren't other people unless I bring them in and we do it together. It's great showing your vulnerability too. And I love how you're expressing it because a lot of people don't understand what it takes to start something from scratch, right? It's like taking a big leap into a different career but no stability, no income, no revenue, no nothing. And you're jumping in blind unless you were kind of doing it on the side to gain experience, garnish that. But if you didn't like yeah. where now, and you didn't even have any sales experience, how do you go out and sell it? If you have no experience, just like anything, you should really practice it a little bit um, to get better. And it's okay. Making mistakes, learning from it, evolving. That's the whole journey aspect. Right. And I, I used to work in corporate as well. And yes, I had a team and it was great. That now I done myself. I'm like, can I afford a team? Should I do it myself? Or, you know, can I afford it at this time? And what are they going to bring to the table that I can't do myself? How much time is it going to take? How effective are they versus myself? Like you're always trying to doubt and weigh pros and cons of it all. Certainly. And, um, you know, a couple interesting points for, for me, I, I did do a lot myself and I've always presented before. So the idea of having to present your, your story, your facts and communicating, I think is so much about what sales really is. I had done that a lot. And I, I love that part. I, I love talking. Um, we're talking, see, this is fun. And that to me, wasn't hard. I think if you're someone who you didn't do that, maybe you, 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 this is all new to you. The idea of presenting or communicating, that would be really hard. Um, you know, I continue to learn. I, I think learning all the time is really important. The whole idea of a lifelong learner, but I also surrounded myself with other business owners so that I could learn from them and see what they're doing in all different types of industries. I, I will admit, I actually thought I needed to learn more from people who were selling what I was selling. And I've realized, no, you actually can learn quite a lot from really anyone. Uh, you know, someone who has a brick and and mortar store, I don't have a store. I can still learn from their approach of, of how they're managing customer service or how they're approaching sales or thinking about things. The idea of surrounding yourself with, with like-minded people can, can significantly help. And it's nice to know because your friends who aren't doing this don't understand and they, they are only able to offer what works in their world, but their world is a different world. So I highly recommend for anyone who is thinking about it or is already to make sure that you have a group around you that you can continue to learn from on an ongoing basis. That's amazing. Growing up, did you ever uh, imagine yourself as a business owner, uh, like growing a company, having employees um, now that you have a brand and people, you know, you live and breathe it, right? Was that something of when you you were growing up, like something you always wanted? No, (laughs) I I watched the movie Working Girl and I wanted to be her with the big corner office. (laughs) That's what I wanted because I watched that movie and um, I love that movie. So no, uh, but at the same time, I was kind of the anomaly of going to a corporate job. You know, my parents were were in sales. My uh, my brother went out and did his own thing. So 
that I had these kind of stable corporate jobs was a weird thing. And I say stable. And for anyone who's watching, you know, you can have like my air quotes because even that today is no longer stable. It was that definitely not something that I thought I would do. At the same time, I felt like I was never really satisfied in every role and I was always searching for something. And I think it was because I, I wasn't really in the right place. And it, I kept searching for the right thing and I never really could find the right thing. So that's probably a balance of age, skills, just impatience, right? Wanting to do more and also then realizing, oh, wait, I can actually get so much of what I'm looking for and to fulfill sort of the needs that I feel like I have and the, the desire to want to really make a big impact and to provide value and, and to stretch my mind in, in this capacity. And then did you have people along the way that kind of, I know right now you surround yourself with more business owners to kind of coach you or mentor you or whatever you call it. Um, but along the way, were there instrumental people that helped you and guided you to where you are today? Certainly. So a couple people, actually a partner that I worked with early on, I remember saying, you know, while I was trying to decide what to do and I said, this is just not really what I want to do. And I had actually always thought of myself as a COO and he had said, no, you're, you can, I see you as a CEO. And that to me, probably one of those statements he just said, and I bet you doesn't even realize the impact that it had, but I've never forgotten that. And then there's several other mentors. Um, also one that I've known for probably 20 plus years and I still remain in contact with him and he's always been an amazing cheerleader for me and, uh, and not in the entrepreneurial world, in the corporate world. So he's been extremely helpful. And then, you know, huge credit goes to my, to my family, uh, and my husband who has been a, a significant supporter of my uh, embarking on this journey. And it is important to have people along the way and they kind of change. I've had other people who filled gaps in time who were great role models or mentors to help me during whatever it was I was doing at the moment. And then, you know, they kind of filled that time period and there's some that last a lifetime. Those are, are much far and few between. And I love you saying that um, the journey, everyone lives a different path and there's going to be people that are instrumental that play a part of that. And there's going to be people that really stand out and there's people that really just help you guide you through that challenging time or whatnot. So I love hearing that because a lot of people are so focused on one or two or five people. That's it. Well, it's a lifetime. It's a journey, right? And there's so many other people that play a very instrumental part from friendships to, you know, managers, colleagues, VP, CEOs, business owners, whatever it is, it could be anyone, your neighbor church leader it doesn't matter right it could be someone that really impacts you resonates with you and really you know pushes you a little bit further right um that's that's all it takes so i love that um challenges or any of the mistakes over the last couple of years i know you've been now a business owner can you share some insights on some mistakes that you've made or some of the challenges how you overcame them i think the biggest one is trying to recognizing where you need help and then finding that help, but not really doing the, the best vetting through that process um, and kind of saying, oh, well, someone can do that. And so I'll just try them out. And then that's been a big challenge for me over time, the people piece and find and really spending because it's so hard. You have this long list of things to do and you really want to help find someone to do them, but then you are realizing, well, that was actually more work than you, you netted at the end. And the, which is interesting because I will tell companies in my regular, you know, in, in all the work that we do, you really want to be thoughtful. You really want to plan because when you do all of that up front, it's going to yield significant benefits. So the mistake I've made is because you're strapped for resources and it's, it's a challenge to get it all done is really making sure that you're being thoughtful and spending the time on, on people. And that can mean, you know, any type of person, it doesn't necessarily have to be someone doing client work. It can be um, a bookkeeper. It can be someone doing your finances. It can be 
you know, someone helping you on the marketing side or, or just anything. It's, a, it's, it's any aspect of it. So I think someone listening should realize every role is critical for what you're doing and it should have the same level of thought put into it. Yeah. And, and I acknowledge you saying that because even myself at the beginning, I was just hiring for the task and not really putting a lot of time and effort into like getting to know them, letting them know what the process is and how to put it in my kind of tone, my voice, my, the way I want it. So maybe I didn't train them well enough or I didn't have SOPs in place. Right. So they went out doing the task, but to my liking, it wasn't satisfying, right? So it's more on yourself and holding yourself accountable, making sure that you you do a le- little bit better job explaining it, understanding who that person is and if it's a good fit or not. Um, and you learn, right? As a business owner, like we, I make mistakes daily still and it's okay, right? How do I, I pick myself up? Mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's okay. Like as long as you acknowledge and try to minimize them and get better along the way, that's the only way to improve, right? Uh, your company, yourself, you're always trying to do the best you can. So it, it shows growth, right? Absolutely. Um, tips. So I know you've had some mistakes or um, what about how about someone that's just starting off? What would you advise them um, in terms of like how to expedite or um, make less mistakes? <laughs> uh, listen to these types of things. The, the first would be really, I think, what we just talked about, which is as you're going to bring someone on to do any type of task, I like what you had mentioned. Is it a task or, or someone who's going to really be here for a longer period to fulfill uh, you know, whatever role it's going to be and how, how do you want to be represented and how did you communicate that to people? Because I am like you, I think I've, I've tried to jump in to solve the task that needs to get done. And I didn't spend as much time preparing that person as well as I could have. So really doing that up front, I think is going to be really helpful. The same time that's being spent on the who you are and what you want to represent will tie over into the actual work you're going to do. What is the message that you want your clients, your customers to be receiving? And how are you going to communicate that to them? And how are you going to live through that? Because you will have some interesting situations. Someone might refer a client to you and maybe they don't match up and line up with what you're doing. And so while it might be revenue, does it really match who you are? And think about kind of how you're also going to spend your time. And you only have the same amount of time as everybody else. Another area that I I think I can continue to learn on, which is learning how to to say yes to the right things and no to the other, the other that won't continue to match with your vision. So that vision is going to play into so many parts of your company. And oftentimes everyone wants to just jump in and, and get started and I'll kind of figure it out. And I certainly think there's a thought to being able to figure it out, but I did spend time saying, I want, I want a brand, which is why it's not my name. It's a company and why I can have other people work with me, you know, because we're building a company that was important. Some people might not want that. They just might want to do whatever work they, they bring in and that's fine. So all those kind of foundational pieces will continue to play out. It'll play out in your marketing, how you go, how you explain who you are. Will you use I? Will you use we? Even just that makes a massive difference. So that, again, kind of that time, that vision of who you want to be and what brand you want someone to think of you is is critically important. And then it translates into all the other areas about making sure you're spending time educating new people that you'll come on, finding the right people, and... um, the last tip is something I've said before, but I do believe make the investment in the areas you don't excel in because then you can spend your time in the areas best suited for you, which will actually earn you more money. I, I And that last point. Uh, and time. Del- yeah, time might del- be more interest than just money. Yeah. Delegating, understanding where you bring the most value in your business, uh, outsourcing the rest or hiring people for certain roles and tasks and duties. And, you know, if you're not strong in sales and marketing or advertising, get someone to do it. Right. Like it's okay. Acknowledge it. 
you can't figure out and be the best you can for every single role and task as a business owner because there's too much involved and not enough time, like you mentioned. And then you're going to get stressed. You're going to really, this is where like fatigue happens, right? This is where people burn out because they're trying to do too much and not knowing where to start, what to do next. There's a huge task list. It's like overwhelming, especially when you're just starting off. And then you come to a realization, you know, hopefully you're still in business because you're still enjoying what you're doing. But a lot of people forget why they're doing it. What's the purpose? You know, they're taking it on because they want to serve others or they're bringing more value to the marketplace or whatever it is. So acknowledging all that and enjoying the journey because people kind of are always wanting a lot of money or fame or whatever it is, but they don't really take a step back and put together a plan, like you mentioned. Absolutely. And I would say one more, which is whatever the, and it matches with what you just said, whatever your plan is, the your why, I think you really have to have your why. So I, I have my why. And as a big piece of that is also knowing to think like the, the CEO or the business owner you aspire to be. So if you aspire to be, you know, uh, a $50,000 CEO, $100,000, $500,000, million, 5 million, 10 million, 20 million, 100 million, whatever number it is for you, think like that because then your decisions will be different. So if you're going to be, you aspire to be a $10 million CEO, a $10 million CEO is not going to be doing some type of certain work. They're going to find someone to do that. And right there, that the way you would approach that challenge or that issue is going to be very different. Uh, so that was a, a, a tip to me. Uh, I had gone through a program, it's called Launchpad to, uh, 2X here in Atlanta, designed to help women entrepreneurs. And it was very much focused on helping you think like a $20 million CEO. And, and I will say, oftentimes it will be, well, how would the, how would a $20 million CEO think about that? Oh, well, they would think about it like this. Not like, you know, um, I think oftentimes people think, well, I'm, I'm just this little company, whatever number you are. If you change how you're approaching it, all the other tasks and, and vision and strategy and everything else will follow suit. And I think it's mindset. Again, it's like if you think big, at least you have bigger goals to aspire to. But if you think small, then that's, where the barriers come up, right? It's like, oh, I've already hit it. Okay, then what, right? So um, it, it's great to hear all this. So regarding, um, I know you weren't strong in sales. How did you go about getting clients at the beginning um, to start your venture? Like, to, like, did you already have contacts? Did you already have a network? Yes. So I've always, well, I've never had to sell directly in any of my corporate roles other than the one we described where I was a partner. I've always been a fan of relationships and having a strong network. All my, all my jobs were because I had a strong network, every single last one of them. And I'm a firm believer in building relationships. Um, and in fact, I actually just, while uh, we're having this discussion this week, uh, released an article very focused on relationships. So I reached out to everyone and said, hi, here's what I'm doing. And then started down a path of, of content marketing and thought leadership so people could get to know who I am and present because in, in the field I am in privacy, there's a lot of education. People don't understand what it is, why I need it, when to pay attention. And as a result, there, there were a lot of opportunities or I created opportunities really to focus on educating, which helped get my name and my brand and to continue to build my relationships and my network. So I have invested significantly in relationships really over the whole course of my professional years and also as a business owner. And, and some of the types of relationships and the who has always changed as well, but depending on the industry and the goal that I've been in. I can't I love, emphasize relationships enough. I, I love hearing that because that's my foundation since I started this company. And that's why you're on the show because I love you saying relationships. I, I, I come from a family oriented kind of business, uh, not business, but family. We immigrated from uh, Vietnam to, to Canada. And core foundation was family relationships, business relationships, friends relationship. It's all, it's a part of me that really stands out. And I think 
people will see your good side and bad. They either like you or not. And if you are actually there and wanting to provide value or help or be there for them, they're going to want to be there for you, right? But if you're not helping anyone or giving as much as possible, they'll see that you're a taker. You're really in it for your own self-fulfilling purpose. But if you actually don't expect anything and just want to help others, that's where, you know, you're going to make huge strides in any venture, business, life, purpose, dream, you know, even if it's corporate America, you're going to move up the corporate ladder by actually helping others, right? Um, You know, maybe you can speak a little bit on relationships. Well, I think to have an authentic relationship, it's about getting to know the other person and reaching out not only when you need something. And one of the tips that I, I actually just shared in this article that I was talking about is I've always used the holidays as a time to send a holiday message. Uh, I used to do e-cards a lot. Sometimes I just do an email. Uh, sometimes I've done actual cards, kind of just depends. But, you know, hi, so-and-so just thought I'd wish you a happy holiday. Hope you have a great time with your family. When COVID started, I reached out with, I mean, we've all received the 15,000 standard messages. I didn't do that. I had an email to select people who I really wanted to connect with. And I said, hi, just checking to see how you and your family are doing. There was no sales pitch. There was nothing. There was just a genuine. And for those that I knew, I I might personalize it. You know, one person I knew had a family member in healthcare, someone else, you know, different stories. So I would say something to that effect. And it's very it's, it's all about, I just want to kind of stay top of mind, but, but be authentic. Maybe you find an article and you send the article to them. Some people are, are about gifts. You know what? I, I see this and I think this would be really interesting for you. I'd really like to gift this to you. So here's enjoy a cup of coffee or, you know, enjoy this special notebook or, or whatever it might be. As you get to know them, you're, you're connecting with the human because at the end of the day, there's a human on the other end of whatever it is that we're doing. And sometimes that's hard to remember because we're so, and especially in the marketing space, well, it's, it's how many emails and how many people clicked and how many people liked. And, and we're so focused on all these metrics and analytics, but at the end of the day, you're actually just trying to reach another person. You know, they have to brush their hair every day and brush their teeth and, and, and eat and, and do all the same things kind of no matter what industry or role or title or any of it. And so when you get to actually meet the person and you just connect at that level, then they get to know who you are. And, you know, it is overused a little bit, but it's true. No, like trust. I have to get to know you. Then I'm going to like you. Then I'm going to, I'm going to trust you. And there are going to be people who you will meet who will not. They're just, it's just not going to click and connect and no matter how hard you try. And that's fine. Just go find the next person. There's there's plenty of people. You just have to meet them and get to connect with them. Yeah. And I think it was two years ago. I was doing a weekly coffee with people that I've actually engaged with for many years or I lost touch with because of life, right? Getting married, kids or whatever. Everyone's busy with their own life. But just that subtle, are you free for coffee? Let's catch up. Right. Um, Because I'm more like old school. I love meeting real people as opposed to like email, social media posts or whatever. I'm more about like interacting with real people and having a real conversation, a deep conversation to see where they're at. How can I help you? How can I, you know, really understand where the the problems lie, right? In their family, health, whatever it is, business. You know, if you actually want to do something and do it well and help someone, they'll acknowledge it that you're not in it to like, whoa, 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 what's happening? What's what's in it for you? Like when you start seeing that, then you know your approach is completely wrong. But if you're doing it out of like just big heart or someone that actually cares, they they're okay with that, right? They'll let you in because they'll know that you're actually in it for the right reasons, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sometimes it's, you can't always meet, uh, I think, yes. especially in <laughs> right now. The, the kind of, I mean, I've always been remote. My clients are across the country. Uh, so for me, I need to connect with people 
you know, virtual coffees or, or just another, another way. And I think the world is continuing to be global and remote all at the same time. I used to have oodles of coffees when, back when you got to meet humans, uh, I would do tons of coffees. I will be honest at the same time, I've been able to meet more people right now because, you know, kind of factor in the drive time and the coffee time. So we have a virtual coffee and it's not quite the same, but where what's been interesting is now people turn on their video. They didn't all turn mm-hmm. on their video before. And now magically everyone's turning on their videos. And I think that's making it much more personalized. I mean, look, like we would never get to have our coffee in person because we're really far airplane ride. I mean, you're very lovely, but I'm probably not going to get on the airplane just to be able to have our cup of coffee. Now, if we're in the same city, absolutely. Hey, let's have that. So the idea that we have this ability to do that, but maybe in a couple months, I send you a quick note, just wanted to say, hi, I see how you're doing. You're going to think, wow, that was, that's kind of cool. Look at her. She remembers me. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, just when people are least expecting it and just be ultra grateful for acknowledging a great person behind the screen, right? So I love that. Um, Technology, what have you found? Because during this pandemic, I'm sure a lot of meetings are now online, but has that really helped your business uh, with technology? Well, I was always Zooming and screen sharing and video calling, so for sure. And I'm a fan of technology. I'm still trying to find the right tools. I feel like I'm always trying to find the right tools. So there's actually a really cool tool called BombBomb, B-O-M-B, B-O-M-B, that when I use it, people really, really like it. So I use it pretty sparingly. It's a video email service. So create the email, send it through their service. Uh, The other person opens it. What's kind of cool is you get to see the metrics though about it, which is different than if I go and create a video in Loom and which is a really cool tool too. And stick in an email, you kind of don't get the same metrics. So that one's a really interesting one and people love it. Um, I'm still trying to get better on my CRM tools. I, I do have a, an email. Um, I don't send doodles of emails, but I do, I do have an email service provider. Um, trying to find the right project management system. Still trying to work on that one. <laughs> <laughs> and then Dropbox, uh, especially in kind of the security field, I, I like the, the Dropbox. Um, and then I use a proposal software system and Slack. Yeah, Those so are probably with, the core ones. Yeah, as a business owner, especially in the tech space or security, and I'm in the SEO uh, industry. So for me, we have a whole stack of tools and software. So if you want any suggestions or questions on that, you can always send me a message because we've probably tested a lot of the software that you're looking at. <laughs> yeah, I'm always I'm always uh, up for good, reasonable software that makes things better. Uh, uh, I am using Zapier, but I'm not using it enough. I know that there's all kinds of other things I can be doing. I'm still trying to figure it out. Oh, my favorite tool on the planet is Calendly, which is... Um, Online booking. The one that you're using, I use Calendly. It's actually in my hometown. That is, as soon as I turned that on, that was just a, a game changer. It is the best invention on the planet. So if I need like other really awesome, cool inventions like that one. Yeah, so the whole point about software and tools is not every tool is going to work well for your purpose, right? It's probably, some of them will be more productive for you. Some will actually, you know, be more of a stream because you got to figure out how to use it. Right. So just see what works for you and your team, because not everyone's going to integrate properly as well. So if they don't like it, your team members, it's probably going to be more of a detriment. Right. So you got to figure out what works. And that's why I've learned, like, we're very basic too. Like we, we use, we used to do a lot of Trello, Slack. We use Asana. We have like every single tool software out there. But it's overwhelming sometimes when you go training, onboarding, and then the the learning curve at all because there's nuances for every single tool. And then you got to customize it. It's, you know, the time wasted, is it going to be more efficient and productive for your team? So just learning that. um, And as a business owner, it's just another thing on your plate. Do you right. want another so thing? I'm, I'm curious, do you have, do you have a, a, of, of the Trellos and the Sanas and all those, which one do you use? 
if any um like we used to use slack but in terms of my my team we just communicate very straightforward skype instant messaging whatsapp just straight, whatever works works and it doesn't matter right we use google drive dropbox onedrive for storage we have crms we have you know the salesforce or we use hubspot we use infusionsoft we use a ton of different email providers we use busstream busumer we have tons of seo software we have so many different tools and software it's just overwhelming so for us it's like keep it simple keep it straightforward so everyone can then use it if that makes sense that's a good advice good advice simple simple's good yeah, because it's overwhelming because every month, every year, there's always new ones coming up to be more efficient, price, less expensive. But do you need it? Right? Every time it you change very relative. it. <laughs> oh, but it's it's changing the whole process, right? It changing no, the adaption. Right. And then you got to train and depend on your size of your team, right? Like if you're one to five people, that's not a problem. But when you're 50 or 100 people team, that learning curve, the adoption. Right, no, it's a big, it's big, not. big difference. Yep, absolutely. Um, so in terms of, uh, I know we talked about like putting out content, positioning yourself, then building a ton of relationships. Did you ever do a lot of like networking or uh, meeting people um, outside of people that you don't know? Or is it really targeted? Oh, so I, well, my whole career, again, I've always done networking. I've always been involved in a variety of different organizations that kind of made sense for whatever it was I was doing. And as a business owner, I've been involved actually in a great organization called ProVisors. It's all about professional advisors. It's uh, kind of regional. It's only in select cities. And then, um, but in COVID, we've had the opportunity to connect on a national level. And that's been phenomenal because it's really allowed me to get to know people across the country in, in the air, you know, that I wouldn't have known. I'm also a part of entrepreneurs organization. And that also allows me to meet people both locally and around the world. And I've met a number of different people through these organizations and uh, through the privacy community. So uh, certainly meeting people that I don't know. And then through kind of that first meeting, they always say, oh, well, you really should go and meet so-and-so. And then that person says you should go and meet so-and-so. And and some of those meetings are great. And some of those meetings are a waste. And you don't know until you just go and do them. I always approach with, well, each person is just their own unique. You never know. You can learn at least one thing. Maybe it's even how you practice what you say. That could be something useful. And, you know, for, for anyone listening, kind of think about the industry you're in and, and either local organizations, national organizations, trade organizations, industry organizations, and then whatever makes sense, you know, potentially some type of professional services networking group as well. What I like about the ones I'm in is they're very focused on relationships, not networking, because the word networking feels like it's one-to-one transactional. And that's A, not who I am, and B, I don't really think it works that way. So I found things that align more with my values. Yeah. And I love hearing that because whatever resonates with you, it's not for everyone. You got to figure out what works, what, you know, association or industry that you're trying to get involved in. Play an active role. And that's the other thing, like be active. If you're going to join something, really join it for a purpose and do something with it, right? Don't just be a silent you know, member. Um, so uh, last couple questions I want to ask you. So what drives you today? Um, seems like you've had a corporate, you know, a couple years to then do your business. Um, what really motivates you today as opposed to a couple years ago? And what do you see yourself doing for the near future? I think the motivation is a couple fold. First, it's uh, my big part of my why is freedom. I'm the mom of two girls and I really want to be able to be with them the way I want to be able to be with them. And so the ability for me to do that is incredibly important. At the, at the same time, the industry that I'm in, privacy is, it's kind of just in its beginning stages. There's privacy and security. So for anyone not familiar, security is very focused on the protection of data. Privacy is very focused also on that, but more on the use and collection. So everything that all marketers are doing has a massive privacy piece, right? Should I use the data? And I feel like the it's just in the beginning stage. And as we're experiencing a, a massive digital transformation, 
there's a big opportunity to help educate and to help companies through this. And I, I like the ability to be able to be here and help companies sort through what it is that they need to be doing at this really interesting time. It's a bit of a, a crossroads. There's been a bit of a wild west for a while. We have new government legislation around the world and companies are trying to figure out what to do. We're about to move into a cookie-less world. What does that look like and how are companies going to still be doing it? So when you kind of smush all that together, I find that a really fun and interesting challenge. And again, I like the ability to help people. So that is my foreseeable future. That's awesome. And, and I, yeah, because right now, not only is the industry um, at the infancy, there's a ton of growth and opportunity, um, but then comes the educational piece, right? It's like, how do you get to the people that are actually decision makers to let them in on like the vulnerabilities, the security risks, the, you know, to educate them enough for them to take action or even listen, right? To open the door. So I, I love that. And it sounds like you're having fun and you're enjoying the process. And that's the most important thing I feel. Um, Absolutely. And then it seems like your, your head is, you know, revolved around family and, you know, your freedom as well. So it's like, that's what the lifestyle of a business owner should truly be. You shouldn't be running crazy, running a business, right? You need goals, you need aspirations, you need to figure out what's important to you and then mold your business to align with what you want out of it, right? So I, I love hearing that from you as well, Jody. Thank you. So thanks a lot. Um, I wanted to then just ask you, how can some of the audience members reach you, get a hold of you, uh, connect with you on any of the channels that you're part of? Sure. I'm easy to find on LinkedIn, Jody Daniels. Uh, Red Clover Advisors is also on LinkedIn. Our website's just redcloveradvisors.com. And we have a lot of information and contact information that's there. So we'd love, um, we're also on Facebook. So you can go in and follow um, Red Clover Advisors on Facebook as well. Amazing. Well, thanks a lot. It's been a pleasure getting to know you, Jody, and um, we'll be in touch for sure. If you're ever in Toronto, let's get together. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks a lot, Jody. Thank you for listening to our latest podcast. Please subscribe to Local SEO Today and tune in to our next episode.